This is the Ellensburg Angler Podcast. Quote in. Quote in. <laughs> Stud on the squalor, baby. Oh, that was a big fish, dude. Woo! This is a six-pound fish, dude. I was like, oh, yeah, yep. At all costs, do not drink the water. <laughs> I was sitting in a ball in my boat with my hands in my armpits trying to stay warm. When yeah. I get hangry, yeah, fish is done. done. All right, folks, welcome back to the Ellensburg Angler Podcast. Kyle Wilkinson here. I'm sitting down today with my buddy, Eric Machowick. Eric, how are you doing? Doing all right. It was uh, quite a long day today. Long and windy. <laughs> yeah, long and windy. Uh, Eric and I went and fished a tributary of the Natchez. The Natchez is a tributary of the Yakima. Um, we fished the Tyatan River. It is a smaller river um it's pretty pretty fast gradient um and it's it, it just fishes differently than what we normally fish on say the yakima river um how would you explain what the titan's like yeah i i would say it averages maybe 30 40 feet across mm-hmm. um and then you have that steep gradient so pocket water is very abundant there Mm-hmm. You're not going to see a lot of lawn runs. Like, I mean, we ran into a couple, but um, those were pretty honey holes, you know, dime a dozen, really. Yeah. So, um, it was really fun, and uh, we got good reports that the clarity was there. So, yeah, yeah. Super windy, and um, we still had to deal with the wind, but I feel like we avoided most of it compared yeah. to up here in Ellensburg. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's kind of why we went. I mean, we, we looked at the forecast, and you originally we wanted to float once. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was not bummed, but, like, you know, it's been a minute since I fished the yak, so. Yeah. Yeah, it but was. But yeah. I still had a blast. I mean, creeks are so much fun. Like, it's just, you hardly see anybody else fishing. And it's, just, mm-hmm. it's just fun fishing in its purest form, really. It is, yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, it was windy up there, but like, I think we avoided the worst part of it that we would have had <laughs> mm-hmm. here. Um, got to get out on foot. I mean, we probably walked a ways. I mean, we probably put on a few miles worth of walking the river and then walking two oh, spots. Oh yeah, like yeah, we definitely. My my legs are a little sore today from walking around in that. In that yeah, river, oh, I'm so. I'm gonna be maybe my back's gonna be hurting maybe more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was a good day, but yeah, nice little change up from you fishing the cedar. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it's pretty yeah. similar for the, the hopping around, but definitely definitely well that steep gradient that's that's pretty unique to that river really i mean you're not gonna see that on the west side hardly ever unless you get way up in the mountains gotcha but yeah so made the drive got back home talking about this i know that we we put something out on social um seeing if you guys had any questions about smaller tribs about tight line nymphing um we got we got some response back for that so we'll answer that question in a little bit probably answer it in the podcast um but talk about how steep a gradient this river was, how small it was, fishing the pocket water. Um, I guess real quick, we should probably tell them what like a steep gradient is, what pocket water is. How would you describe that, Eric? Um, so a pocket is where you have a current seam on both sides. Um, you have fast water moving on both sides of a slower moving pocket. Uh-huh. And it's basically a, not a dead space, but it's very minimal current there. It's a place where fish can hide out of the strong current, conserve their energy, and then at the same time they can pick off food moving left or right, up or down in the column, water column, eating bugs and and whatnot. And so what I have come, kind of a side note, what I've come to find is like, especially when it comes to Washington, you have your east and your west side. Pocket water isn't very big on the west side. I'll be Not honest really. with yeah, especially on like the cedar or um, the Snoqualmie forks. I haven't. They like the main current out there, but here, especially on the Yak and then like the Titan we found out today, uh-huh. they love the pocket water. And gotcha. you know, Euro nymphing is a great tool for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, real quick, I just realized we should probably go into. Who you are like a quick background on you Eric, okay before getting more deeper we're not gonna go 43 minutes and then introduce the into the show yeah yeah we should <laughs> we should probably introduce you right now Eric. why don't you explain who you are and why you're here um well i'm here because 
Uh, I'm just a, a bumming, trout bumming, fishy freak, you know. Uh, fly fishing is my passion. I live over on the west side, if you haven't figured it out by now. Um, but growing up, I've always had fishing in my blood. And then went to school here in Ellensburg and met some of these guys from the crew here and really got me going. So um, I kind of owe it to them to my kind of bringing my upbringing on fly fishing. So it's been a good run so far. And I think it's going to be, I, I look forward to the next, you know. 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years that I have to spend with these guys on the river. So, Heck yeah. Yeah, I'm always pumped when Eric makes his way over and uh, we get to go out fishing and it's always a fun day. Eric's a pretty fishy dude, so it's always fun to fish with him. He's a, he's a lucky fisherman, that's for dang sure. We found that out in the past. Yeah, that's what people keep telling me, but it's like, what are you guys talking about, man? Yeah. What are you talking about? I'm just good, you know? Oh yeah, whatever, man, whatever. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Eric over here fished it. Uh, I got a quick background, Eric. Um, so we're talking about the pocket water, steep gradient. You're basically fishing that faster stuff, um, stuff where there's... Well, yeah, that faster stuff where there's a current break and it slows down a lot, you know. A place a fish can ambush, dive in and out, you know. It's, that's where we're finding... I mean, the biggest fish we caught was probably what? 14 inches 14 when it comes to trout i mean yeah. we caught some nice white fish I mean, that's a big white use, but. but for trout anyways i mean they're they're hunting and they need those small fish can't stay in the big current so yeah. they're hunting in the pocket water like exactly about so yeah that kind of differs from the yakima say or maybe even from like the cedar um some of the other west side rivers where we're fishing deep water and it, it may have submerged structure say submerged boulders but it's not necessarily those boulders that are sticking out of the water that are creating those pockets mm -hmm. like of course subsurface is creating some kind of pocket from the main current there's some kind of uh like it'll be like a it. it'll be like a glide it'll look kind of smooth like you'll see you can even see the boulder underneath it'll yeah it it'll look smooth at the top of it because it's that current kind of has like a whirlpool effect and it just kind of calms everything on top of it therefore you know creating that glassy look to it yeah exactly and we picked up a few fish um look at deeper stuff in the deeper stuff yeah but you know like that last run we hit mm -hmm. that juicy looking run dude we only got like one two fish out of that yeah. you know like i was kind of surprised yeah like we picked up fish at the tail end of it where it and started then, shallowing and up and then you went up above, above it to all those little pocket i mean choppy little places that yeah you know. like like literally like the size of this my throw pillow yeah like a, a three feet long maybe yeah like two feet wide yeah and so that's that's what really separates this river from say when we're fishing the yakima because the yakima are fishing deeper we're fishing bigger runs but on the tiet and on some of these smaller rivers we we're fishing just tiny pockets where just any little space that the fish can get out of the main current and can hold yeah away from and this this is applicable like i was telling I, I hinted at it before but like um if you go up to the cascades on the west side and i'm sure it's pretty similar to like the east side here mm -hmm. like i can maybe throw out like Manashtash creek or something like that mm -hmm. but like really any creek um a lot of the popular creeks that i like are in the skycomish basin but a lot of those cre creeks are what we like nickname them staircase creeks because it's the gradient is so high it's like it's it'll drop white water or waterfall pocket waterfall pocket waterfall pocket and, uh -huh. you know that's that's not quite as dramatic as um the titan is not quite as dramatic as that but gotcha. it's the same idea you know uh -huh. and that's really the only place you're going to find it i guess over here on the west side and maybe that's why it's not so prevalent on the cedar makes sense makes sense and so we talked about earlier, you said probably the best way to fish that is that tight line nymphing. I would say so because um, when you think of a pocket, like I was saying, it's current on both sides, faster current on both sides. And if you, if you even throw out a, a, a dry line, dry fly, uh, nymph rig uh, with an indicator, like it's just going to get dragged out of the zone. Gotcha. It's not going to fish effectively. It's not going to get down at all. You know, you're going to be struggling all day. Uh -huh. And what people I, I have seen, 
they'll high stick the bobber. It's like, okay, then take the bobber off and you pretty much yeah. got a Euro rig. You yeah. Know? So. Exactly. And so the Euro rig, I mean, we've talked about it before. I believe we touched on it quite a bit with Alex in our Cedar River episode, um, kind of towards the beginning of the podcast. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Alex dropped some real good information on the Cedar and on Euro nymphing. Um, but essentially, you are fishing um, like without a bobber, without an indicator. You're just fishing subsurface, and instead of necessarily um, just kind of lobbing your cast out there and letting the drift kind of take your flies and watching dead that indicator drift. for the yeah, exactly. Instead of watching a dead drift with an indicator or a bobber and seeing that get taken down, which would notify you that you have a fish or that you've touched bottom, you are flipping. Uh, one, two, maybe three heavy flies upstream into the current, into the water. They're sinking down, and you are feeling those flies tap the bottom, or you're feeling yes. them moving through the yes. water column. It's a very them. obvious tick. I mean, when I first started doing it, um, which kudos to you, you're the one that kind of introduced it to me. Yeah. But when I first started doing it, and heavily doing it, I guess I should say, pretty committed uh, for trout, targeting trout. Uh-huh. every little tick I was setting the hook uh-huh. and you know that's that's just pulling it out of the zone way too early uh-huh. so as you get more experience with it I've come to find like is it's his patience where you're t- you 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 make your cast you're going along you're going along and you feel a tick and you got to kind of pause a second because uh-huh. all you got to do if it's a fish to set the hook is flick your wrist yeah. And with, you know, your average Euro rod being 10 foot, 10 and a half, which I use, and even 11 and a half, 11 foot, a flick of the wrist, you're moving the rod tip three, four feet, uh-huh. you know, so you're setting the hook very quickly. So if you just take a second to let, let the current, if it is a snag or if it is touching bottom, just let it take it or just give it a small pop off the bottom. Uh-huh. And you're still, you're still fishing in the zone after that. And it, it can really um, extend your drifts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, that just comes with with feel. I mean, it, it could even change with what kind of bugs you're using. Yeah, and I think that's that's that feel is what separates tight line nymphing, euro nymphing mm-hmm. from your indicator. Because the indicator, you don't feel it. You never Mm-mm. feel the bite. I mean, there are a few times, very rare, where that fish grabs that thing and he's freaking gone and you, he's like stripping line off your reel before you even notice. But, but that's that only rare. happens when you're like looking at your buddy and your bobber, your indicator goes yeah, exactly. down. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, I got a fish. Yeah. So you would have saw it anyways if you were paying attention. You know. Yeah. Is yeah. what we're saying. Yeah. So I mean, like, it's you're not ever feeling. I mean, I, and I do have some clients that say, "Oh, uh, I'd say you got a bite," and they're like, "Oh, I didn't feel it." And, and more fishing indicators will say, "Yeah, you're you're not going to feel it because there is that slack in the system. You do have that bobber that." is going down but you're not going to feel it you don't have that tight tight connection like mm-hmm. you do when you're feeling with the night with the tight line rod yeah it should be like feeling fishing if that makes sense you know what i mean like right. you, you feel everything either in the line in your fingers or in the rod And what's crazy is that uh we had a few today i think i had one or two and i think you maybe had one or two as well where um if you ever seen a fly being videotaped drifting through a hole uh-huh. fish are just constantly swimming around it trying to figure it out and uh-huh. when you actually get a bite it's finally that fit it's that fish a fish has seen it for five or six seconds at least uh-huh. and it's finally committed to biting the fly well sometimes you know it's happened to me before like i said it happened to me two or three once or twice today but uh-huh. definitely a lot in the past where it's like that fish is looking at it, it's eyeing it up, and it's deciding if it wants to eat it, uh-huh. you know, or at least mouth it to see what it is. And, you know, maybe its tail will get will flick the line or whatever. And uh-huh. I'll feel that. Yeah. And set the oh, hook, yeah. and I got a I got a snagged fish. Yeah. And, exactly. you know, that's, that's nothing against the angler or the fish at all. It's just like it just goes to show how sensitive those things can be. Yeah, absolutely. I bet you I pulled in like three or four fish today. Yeah, backwards. Yeah. Because, I mean, you, you have so much It's very noticeable how much that happens yeah. compared to uh, indicator fishing. Yeah. So, I mean, and 
that that just goes to show that we probably are missing a few fish. Think think of it like if you see a fish rise or boil on your dry fly, mm-hmm. it's just kind of him just like taking swipes at it almost. Yeah, and so yeah, that's just something you totally miss when you aren't feeling. Mm, yeah. So yeah, so that's like that's a a pretty uh, pretty in depth kind of synopsis of what tight line nymphing is. But in this case, when you are fishing that pocket water and you have a rock creating that kind of pocket of slower water kind of a swirly and you have fast water on each side you can more easily direct that tight line because you can feel it you can put that fly right where it needs to be Mm -hmm. so that you can direct it and feel it bounce into that slower zone as opposed to throwing your indicator which might have a little bit of that slack and your fly line and the bobber which can get stuck it's pretty much at will of the surface current exactly exactly whereas the tight line rig since it's heavy weight and it cuts straight through the water column you can put it right where it needs to be without being affected as right much that's that's pretty key is cutting through the water column yeah because you're fishing tungs and bugs at least or very very heavily weighted mm-hmm. something um, usually a uh, thinner or like a smaller profile so it cuts through the surface we're fishing fluorocarbon because it cuts through always fluorocarbon. always fluorocarbon on a tight line and a thin diameter what, what size floral do you fish i don't know what size but it's four pound test four pounds. So that's about five x kind of depending on the brand that's about or yeah five and that's that's straight four pound that's there's yeah. no taper to it um from what we call my cider so it's it it's pretty thin and it cuts right through and i'm i have pretty i've reeled in 20 inch fish with it before uh-huh. um and you know it's a 20 inch fish so you're gonna play it like it's a 20 inch fish but yeah. i i haven't had anything break me off due to size because of it you know yeah exactly and part those, of it, yeah go ahead. Those, those uh back to like the length and the construction of those rods mm-hmm. 10 10 and a half 11 you got a lot of play in those rods yeah, so exactly yeah, keeping just, the tension just... isn't an issue yeah you can fight big fish i bet you could take well, it, it might sound crazy at first, but you could probably take a 10-foot three-weight, 10-and-a-half-foot three-weight, 10-and-a-half-foot four-weight to Rocky Ford and be okay. Yeah. I mean, if, that's what if, I you get, if you get into fish, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that, honestly, you could probably fish with that 10-and-a-half, 11-foot rod. You could probably fish a lighter tippet than you would, say, with a 9-foot five-weight because you have that mm. extra oh, foot yeah. to play. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I like, totally agree. I've never I I fished like like six x seven x like one time I kept snapping right. off fish, so I'm thinking what if I put it on, on my ten foot four weight because I have that extra play, and so I'm not putting as much stress right on that line. You know, right. I if you do happen to try and cross their eyes, like you have much more cushion mm-hmm. with a longer rod like that. Exactly. Exactly. So that all just kind of goes to show and talk about like our rigs and how we're we're using that thinner diameter, get it down deep, floral cuts through. Heavy nymphs direct you right to where you want to put your mm-hmm. flies in the water column, so that you kind of set yourself up for a good tight line drift. Um, so how do you how do you go about like say say you've got this run now and you got your euro set up, and uh, let's just take an let's take like um, let's think of like that I'm trying to think of a good hole. Let's think of like the holes like right below the bridge today, like when you have a when we're on river left walking across all the way halfway across the river and you see those boulders on river right how are you approaching that and where are you putting your flies to... that last hole we hit yeah well the, the second to last hole like oh the bridge was okay we're yeah, okay around. yeah yeah like how would you how do you approach that like like explain why you set up where you do and then where you're looking and where you're putting those flies to find those fish so this hole he's describing is kind of the average uh, width of the Titan, so I'm talking 40 feet, maybe a little bit wider. And there's the obvious current seam in the middle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but there's also secondary stream seams um, inside of it towards me, towards my bank. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm fishing a Euro rig, when you get too far out, it's really hard to control. And then with the wind, it was damn near impossible so yeah i didn't even worry about that bank so i'm fishing basically two lanes and even though we were fishing a a tributary a small tributary mm-hmm. you still have to break the river down Absolutely. right 
Yeah. You can't just willy nilly it out there. So what mm-hmm. I I do, and I've and I've this applies to not even just your nymphing, but um, you know I've I've applied it to fishing for anadromous fish as well. Mm. Is you start shallow and you work your way deep. Well, <clears throat> my theory is that if you fish like let's say there's a well there was there was um a, a foam line inside of the main current a slower foam line there uh-huh. and i i fished that up and then i would i walked down and then i would fish the um main current which is deeper uh-huh. and fish that up and that seemed to even though i think it was there's pressure on that hole or something like your because we did run into your dad yeah about that place and um he did really well there but um the pressure might have not might have put those fish down a little bit but that's just the basic approach to what i i've come to to realize when it comes to fishing those typical runs that we might see especially more on the west side and Mm -hmm. and the yakima as well probably so you're basically looking for wherever there's a change in the river that's that's where those fish those fish are going to be attracted to a change whether that's a current change um, a change in depth change in structure yeah they just they just naturally go so i change. yeah yeah with that run i mean it had big um big boulders like right next to the bank mm-hmm. and which is and then slow water right in front of it and i think i did pick up a fish in that slower stuff but then i also did pick up a fish the two fish i did pick up in that run in some of the faster heavier stuff mm-hmm so you know they're all in between and so it's really advantageous to fish that shallower stuff first because you just never know where Mm. a fish is going to be at and then fish that juicier looking middle section you know because that's the mistake that people make is that um they go straight to that juicy stuff is oh man you know especially if you get fishing with a buddy man like Mm. when you don't know the chemistry of the other guy it's like you know, screw this guy. I'm going to go to that juicy stuff and get me a fish, right? Yeah. A really good example of this is um, we were, I was fishing for hatchery steelhead um, this last winter mm-hmm. with my buddy, and we were fishing about uh, a river about the size um, width-wise mm-hmm. of the Titan. Mm-hmm. Obviously not as steep as gradient, but we get to this run that we fished before, and a gear guy actually just went through it and um was fishing above us but Mm -hmm. and we saw him down river but we knew we saw him previously where we were at and um but um you know we i we we're pretty good in terms of chemistry and stuff like that and so i let him have the hole first but he's a really smart angler and Mm -hmm. um he actually was fishing and if you guys if you can picture this um he only had the length of his shooting head out actually i don't even think he has whole shooting head out so he had maybe 30 feet of line out mm-hmm. probably less honestly 20 feet mm-hmm. including the sink tip and leader and just dropped his his leech out there his rabbit leech out there and boom hooks up into as soon as the line came tight man i mean this fish was from me to about that door away which is maybe 10 feet 10 i mean he shot right up to us and Mm -hmm. he barely got that hook set in and since he ran right at us i mean he was just nicked on the side of the corner but good enough to tell it was a good fish and Mm -hmm. but it just goes to show like you need to fish shallow first you need to fish all the water not just the good water because you never know yeah so those fish can be tucked up anywhere i had a i had a fish on the cedar I was swinging, I had this leech, and, you know, I, I was going up to a run that I knew really well, and it had this nice-looking, slightly choppy, walking-speed water, but for some reason, like, I just, I was like, man, I should probably fish this really shallow, maybe six inches of water, mm-hmm. a foot of water, choppy stuff, and I toss it out there, let it swing across, and boom! You know, a nice 15-inch rainbow just sitting right there. Like, mm-hmm. a good fish, not yeah. not a dinker, you know? So, my approach is just fish the whole river, especially of time. Yeah. You know, if you're rushed, sure, just fish the good stuff. But 
Yeah, and especially like on the Titan, you know, it's, it's that high gradient. It's pretty shallow, a lot of structure. I think that helps you learn, like, what to look for. Like on a, a river that's big like the Yakima, now say, like, when it's 800 CFS, you can see, like, okay, this is where, this, this is where the drop-off is. This is where the boulders are. When we're at 3,300 CFS like we're at right now, you don't see that. And so I think like fishing the river like a Titan, you can kind of see that bare bones and you can kind of mm. see how the water acts around that structure, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so when you can now take that information that you have and take that back to say the Yakima and maybe, maybe you can't see that shelf, but you can see maybe how the current a few feet above the shelf is acting. Yeah. Just so like, you know how to fish it. Yeah. Just like I was saying where we saw those submerged boulders, but we could in, in the surface current on top was, mm acting in a certain way yeah so i knew where to put my flies and like i knew where the trough was between the bank and the boulder mm-hmm. and picked up a few fish you know yeah and i, I think the, i think that's a, a big takeaway from fishing these smaller tributaries is you it, it, it gets you to look at water differently mm-hmm. and it kind of gets you these different experiences that you can put back to use when you go somewhere else or right say when i go back to the yakima or when you go back to the cedar you can take that information and just kind of use it use that knowledge however it applies in a fly fishing situation you might um encounter yeah knowledge is power own. for sure exactly um uh, <clears throat> so kind of finishing up real quick on the whole tight line thing when we're we're fishing that thin diameter heavy flies, getting it in there, getting into those zones you're talking about. Mm-hmm. We're feeling the bite. We're feeling a, a stop on the line. We're maybe seeing our cider, which is that right piece of line straighten out. We're setting the hook. Um, it's either going to be bottom. A lot of times it's going to be that fish because that tick, you can feel that certain like spongy yeah. tick. We're uh, getting them in. And then it, it just seems to be more productive. Like when, it, when you're in a situation where tight line fishing is like conducive, like it's it works, like it really works. Yeah, and it seems like you could just you're more way more effective than with the bobber. And I, th- I think it's because you can feel it, right? As opposed to watching a bobber. Well, maybe we should talk about how we uh, kind of adapted with the wind today. Yeah, so you talk about the whole like the hand thing, kind of the hand thing, and then um, t- to kind of go back on our message, we put a bobber on. Yes, we well, did. at least I did because. Um, when you're fishing a euro rod or euro rig, it's very susceptible to wind. I mean, yeah. even the slightest breeze might throw you off. I mean, you really have to try and get it down. Mm-hmm. So, and when it, when I was fishing, at least, um, I threw a bobber on because you don't have to worry about what's going on above the water when mm-hmm. you're fishing the bobber. So, it really helped and. Um, Got a few fish actually that way. Yeah, absolutely. But Dude, you pulled a lot of that one hole. You pulled a lot of fish. Out. Oh, when my dad walked yeah, up on yeah. You pulled a lot of that on the Yeah. Bottom. And that's just because that corner was so breezy. And mm-hmm. if you were to have just, if you were just to tight line it and high stick it like that, mm-hmm. I mean, you could tell with the bow in the my cider, mm-hmm. like my flies were getting pulled up and out of the zone. Yeah. And even if you had gotten a bite, you wouldn't be able to feel it. You may have seen your line like straighten, straighten out, but, but I mean that's only if the fish turned and ran. Yeah, exactly. Or even if it did that, there was so much wind that it probably wouldn't have even registered on on the line. So it's right, like, that fish could have. I mean, they they have videos of fish just actually biting the fly for about five or six seconds, just mawing it, mm-hmm. and then the angler finally sets the hook. Yeah. So it's like you would you would never know unless. Mm-hmm. You had to have a bobber in that situation because yeah. you couldn't actually. And that's feel the line. that's just compromising. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's not ideal, obviously. It's good to have that trick up your sleeve. So it is, yeah. If you go, you're. It's just nipping. the little things, yeah. Yeah, if you go, you're nipping. Always have indicators. You're gonna be frustrated. Yeah, you need to be more adaptable. You can't just be like, I'm gonna do. So just this. in that instance, with the wind, it helped me cut um, that wind out of the equation, or at least minimize it. But in other instances, if I'm fishing a, a pretty deep hole, you know, big buckets and stuff like that, mm-hmm. where let's say I can only get so far out with a euro rod, and I before losing a lot of control and a lot of feel, mm-hmm. then I'll put on an indicator, 
run it all the way up to my tippet ring mm -hmm. and just dead drift it like a traditional setup. Yeah. And that works really well. And if you set up your Euro rod or at least your leader system worth a, with a split yoke, um, where you have uh, about a six inch tag and then you do a triple surgeons down to a smaller nymph, um, that can be really effective on the bobber mm -hmm. I found versus just tying it to, I mean, you, it worked both ways today, but, mm -hmm. um, if fish are a little bit more picky, that offers the, that gives the bugs more movement and more uh, ability to act more natural. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, and so that was that was your kind of compromise in the mm -hmm. ring. Was and then, <laughs> this is kind of funny about what you're going to say, but like this is something that I... So Kyle turned me on to Euronymphing mm -hmm. about two summers ago. Yeah, two summers, I think. And I was just like, oh my God, where, where's this been all my life, you yeah. know, basically? Because you reeled in some nice fish, and, and it was like back to back to back to back, and... I'm over here shrugging my shoulders. I had a broken rod at the time yeah. too, and I was just like, "Gosh, man, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna buy one." Yeah. But and then I, I, I watched a couple of videos. You know, I did it here and there, but for the most part, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, exactly. I'm out, I'm out there on the middle fork of the Snoqualmie, like, mm, is this how you do it? You know? Yeah. Trying to cast. I'm trying to go back and forth, try back and forth, crit some like, line speed, yeah. and it's just like this is. I'm getting tangled. It's not working. Yeah. But I've I have like just I guess it was interesting because I didn't think much about it, but I guess I do kind of have like my own style. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, when we went out that day, I think you tried the Euro rod a few times, and I showed you kind of what I did, and you kind of took that and did what and kind of adapted your own thing to it. Like like I didn't I didn't teach you much like you. It's it's a style of fishing I think that maybe doesn't require as much like a lot of casting and a lot of stuff to be careful of. It's like it's something you can teach yourself. Yeah. Pretty. I mean, it's, it's tight line nymphing. It's not yeah. much. I mean, the names and the tight. I mean, the the techniques and the tight line. Exactly. And so, how I used to do it um, is different than how you do it. Like like how I originally showed you, you've taken that and adapted something totally different, and that I think is more effective. So what I was doing to start out today is I would take, I have a 10 foot four weight. I would strip a lot of my, uh, some line out where I have like, I have like, I have a pretty cheap Euro setup. I have like probably 40 feet of 20 pound mono that I just tied to the end of from just regular like weight forward, four weight fly line. And then I have a cider with a tippet ring on that. And then I drop my tippet off of the tippet ring. So I would pull out just enough of my mono that my tippet or that my cider and my tippet ring and my tippet are hanging out off the end of my rod, maybe a few extra feet so I can kind of lob a little bit further cast out. And I was lobbing my casts, and then as soon as I lob my cast, I wouldn't I would only be holding the rod and the whole system in my right hand. How far up would you go upstream? Would you say how much line do you have upstream? I probably had like a max of probably twenty feet, maybe. And I would flip it up, and the reason I only had maybe 20 feet is because I would lob it up, but I would only hold the whole system in my right hand and guide those flies downstream, but I'd have to guide pretty quickly, and I couldn't go very far because I was trying to keep that those flies to lead, tight. You lead the flies. I was really trying to lead the flies without doing anything to the line. And so I was, I mean, I was successful doing that, but then I watched Eric... And what Eric was doing is he would do the same kind of cast, maybe a little more line because you get more distance. But what he was doing is he would hold the rod and guide the flies with his right hand. But he would slowly, as the flies bounce back towards us, he would hold the line in the left hand and he would slowly strip that line in to kind of keep up with the flies so that they're going the same speed as the current, kind of right. guiding them. So you're guiding the rod, you're guiding the flies with the rod, but you're also pulling that line closer. So you're keeping more tension on the line all the time. And that's something I had never done before. Right. And I think I, I, I adopted that from you today because I think that's super cool and it helps you to get those further casts. Gets gets the further casts, it gets those flies down and you're in the zone sooner because there's less tension initially. Yes. 
And, and that's the big thing, really. Yeah, there's less like tension initially. It lets, it lets them yeah. it lets them dead drift down. Yeah, but then in but, the water column. But then it kind of does kind of the reverse effect where now I can have tension more th- more effectively throughout the drift. Yeah. So now that I I've, I've let them sink, now I'm pulling it tight, and as I'm pulling it tight, I can feel that tension on the flies in the water. Whereas sooner, sooner, yeah. yeah. Whereas if I try to guide it down in the first place, I wouldn't have got that tension. And then so we were talking about this before we started, like you were leading your flies at quite a sharp angle, you know, you're mm-hmm. leading them and the line's pretty sharp, about 45, you would say. Mm-hmm. And then I guess my kind of style is more on top of the flies too. Yeah. I noticed that you were like, you were like directly above like a 90, like straight pretty much perpendicular, per- perpendicular yeah. to the river. And whereas actually I, I took your technique where I was pretty steep angle. I took your technique at the end of the day I almost had my raw tip in the water, like I. And then, I so with with the wind too, that really yeah. Helps. With the wind, you got to drop it. Yeah. Because otherwise, it's gonna put that little bend in your line. No matter what technique you're using, if you're pulling that line or not, it's still gonna grab it and put that bend in. But what I was doing, yeah, the, the dropping that rod tip, using my right hand to guide the flies with the rod, but also using my left hand to pull the line to keep it tight, and dropping that low rod tip so I could just. I could feel those flies kind of taking the bottom with that tension on the flies, but also keeping the system out of the wind so that yeah. it, would, um, it wouldn't get caught up. And if you guys haven't figured it out, I mean, your nymphing is difficult in the wind. <laughs> yeah. I don't care who you are. It's, it can be frustrating at times. So just be prepared. Keep that in mind. Like, it's not a one trick. It's not like you can do anything with it, and that's you can cover all your bases. Like, this is very technical and... It's not a, it's not a, can't do everything with it is all. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's a wonderful tool. Yeah, it's like trying. And I catch a lot of fish on it. You catch a lot of fish on it. Like, it's a numbers game. And mm. it used to have a bad rap for just catching a small fish. But we both caught nice fish on it. Oh, yeah. For sure. I mean, we use it up at Rocky Ford, like you kind of mentioned earlier. Like, you can catch nice fish. You're an infant. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of like kind of like a professional golfer. Like he's not going to do everything with one club. Yeah, you're going to have like, your own nymphing should be one of your clubs, but you should also know how to fish with that indicator. You should know when to fish with that indicator. You should know when to fish your tight line nymphing. You should know when to fish a dry dropper. Right. You should know when to fish two dries. You should know when to fish two nymphs with like two tungsten shot. Like it's one of your golf clubs. Like you don't, you don't, you're not gonna use that golf club for everything. But just keep in mind, you're not gonna be carrying around your golf clubs like that on the river. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's another system I think too is like my ten foot four weight. I have done all those other things on that rod. Yeah. So for it's sure. that you don't you don't just buy a euro rod and be like I'm just euro fishing. Yeah, with and that's that's one thing I want to change is like all I have on my line. Um, or my my reel is just a is a it's a dedicated Euronymphing line, but I don't use it. Mm-hmm. I just use this. I bought a leader from a leader. I say it's I think it's twenty five feet plus the cider mm-hmm. from Tactical Fly Fishers, and really that's all I have out mm-hmm. of the tip of my rod ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time. Yeah, and I kind of late to the game but i just came across this product from rio i think and i think Cortland makes them too but they're called euro shorts or something like that okay and it's and if you have let's let's say i have my rod and it's a 10 foot three weight so i have a three weight line weight forward floating line on it Uh i can put this shorty on and it's the same diameter as a traditional okay but it's it's short obviously and then you put your cider to that and really that's all you need and you really actually don't even need the the um the uh the shorty or whatever because your your leader is really the only thing that's out there yeah absolutely so i might invest in that because there's been multiple times like especially on um some tributaries to the yakima where nymphing is really good and then you see some risers and you want to mm-hmm. throw a dry and let's say you got a streamer rod and your ear rod 
Well, the streamer rod is too heavy for some delicate dry fly presenta- uh-huh. presentation, and you have a 10-foot three-weight, and what better would be for a dry fly presentation? Exactly. You swap out your your, your uh, leader real quick, tie on some appropriate flies, and you're good to go. Yep, exactly. So just, Or maybe you're in the backcountry or something, and you're not going to carry three rods with you five miles. Yeah. Having one rod... But a setup to do all those things. And I've efficient. I've also found that when I'm learning how to do something for the first time, and I'm fishing the Yakima, for example, if I bring two rods, I'm gonna go most with the rod that I'm most confident or the setup I'm most confident in 80% of the time, and I'm mm-hmm. not gonna learn that new setup. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're a dedicated indicator guy and you're always fishing the double nymph rig under an indicator all the time and that's your go-to and you've just picked up a euro rod and you're trying to learn that well you're gonna if you're having a frustrating day on that euro rod you're gonna go back to that 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 nine foot five weight with the indicator yeah so help so bringing just the euro rod will force you yeah to learn that technique exactly and that was key especially like when i started getting into um sustained acre casking casting or skagit casting from the spay world i would always want to bring my single hand spay or my overhand rod my nine foot five weight but when i just brought my switch rod or something like you help i mean you slow yourself down you break down the cast you and yeah this just doesn't apply to your nymphing obviously so it it's just a good um, mindset to have is just to force yourself to learn something new. Yeah, exactly. and that's that's true for a lot of things, not just in fly fishing. Absolutely, absolutely. That just yeah, that translates to everything in life. Is just don't get stuck in your ways. Try something new all the time. Yeah, and force yourself to learn it, man. I mean, yeah. that's the only way you're going to either make it or break it. Yeah, like that's, a, that's today. Like there was a couple times. There was the one time I broke out the the bobber rod and had the mm-hmm. drill rod. But I wanted to do more with the Euro rod today, so I knew that I'd be tempted to grab that bobber, mm-hmm. my dedicated bobber rod. But I wanted to fish that Euro, so I was right. like, "Nope, leave it in the truck, so that all I have is that bobber rod." I want to make the most. Yeah. So all I have is a Euro rod. And I want to make the most of the Euro, Euro fishing today or the tight line fishing. Yeah, today. and especially, I mean, for me too, I had that mindset where, okay, this is a new river. I want to fish a dry dropper, like I had that chubby on with the, I don't even know what I had on the dropper, but I wasn't getting any love on that, and I was getting pretty frustrated, so it's like, you know, this is a new river, it's not going to be the last time I fish it, so let's just find some fish, have fun, you know, fish with my friends, it's it's a good day, mm-hmm. that's just, that's just, that's my, that's my mindset for today, Yeah, I'm absolutely. only going to bring that rod, you know, it's going to be a great time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I know that this is all pretty, uh, this is a pretty technical podcast, a lot of the stuff we're talking about. Um, if I can, we might be able to throw some things in the show notes to uh-huh. help, help you explain some of these things, like our, the, how we're casting everything. Um, I, we do have some footage, uh, just some videos of us. I might be able to throw up or people can kind of see what we're doing. Uh, it's not like super in-depth. Um, but yeah, do you have anything else you think you can add about today? I mean, we are kind of getting close to that forty-five minute mark or so. So, um, is there anything that you can think of, of whether we're the river we were fishing, the tributary or tight line nipping that you think we should add? Um, like I said, commitment's a huge issue. You're, if you're stuck in your ways, it's not going to work out for you. Gotcha. So that's that would be my number one thing. Really, is just. Just go for it, man. I mean, just take the leap. I, I know a, a Euro rod's not expensive or is expensive, and getting a setup um, can be kind of daunting. But um, some recommendations on that would be like what I I run, and and it's not even super expensive. It's just like it's a Cortland ten and a half foot three weight the competition nymph. I think that's their pretty entry level model. It's, it has great reviews. Um, cheap. Little Cabela's special, you know. That's what so, I'm running right now. Um, and then the leader I bought from Tactical Fly Fishers, and and you, I mean, somebody's you gotta have. Um, you probably have some fly liner laying around. I mean, it doesn't even have to be 
a dedicated three-way fly line like it really doesn't especially mm-hmm. if you have a long enough leader like it it really doesn't matter it's not doesn't play a huge role i should say but you know you probably have a and a couple of tools in the shed already that could help towards your own nymphing specifically yeah for sure like when i first started your own nymphing um i had like some dacron braid and that yeah was, that i was remember my that yeah that was my cider that white dacron yeah yeah like there, you can you can put together a pretty good setup for, mm-hmm. and there's for so much resources online today like paid or free or whatever it's it's pretty ridiculous how much is out there like leader formulas um diagrams on setups you know sky's the limit really it is and so that, that's your setup i guess real quick we should talk about what flies we're fishing mm. what kind of flies so, we mentioned tungsten but a little more in depth um it's kind of funny and i'll give away a little secret here but i really only fish four or five flies you're nymphing and it's they're all tungsten beaded um and it's one of them is a version of a pat stone what whatever color coffee black um, gold like we were fishing i was fishing today i was fishing a yellowish gold brown pat stone with a tungsten bead uh those could be jigged or unjigged hooks um and then uh one i found effective last year was a d vinyl d rib caddis and if you just Google Google search um, vinyl D-rib fly tying material, you'll know what I'm talking about. But it's basically like a half moon or half circle mm-hmm. piece of vinyl that you can wrap up the body. Creates a really cool segmentation. Put a little dubbing head on it with the jig with the jig hook and the beat, tons of bead. Killer fly. I was running that a little bit today. Got some love on that. And then just like a basic Frenchie with... Um, with a palmered hackle of a soft hackle, like a partridge hackle mm-hmm. with a little pink or purple hot spot. Money, man. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of CDC in there, you know, a little, little spice in there, but it's, it's really simple when it comes. I mean, Euro flies, like you're dragging those things so slow and in the zone, like the fish just can't resist. Exactly. And, when, and yeah. And yeah, the fish are, can't resist. The fish cannot resist it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's I, I'm running the same thing. Like, gotta be tungsten. It's gotta be a fairly small diameter. Like, you don't want like something that has a lot of surface area, like mm-hmm. a big goggy fly. Cause it's never gonna sink down. Yeah. So I mean, I'm a lot the same way. Tungsten pat. Like, uh, the I think I think the fly is called the two bit hooker. Is what I was fishing today. It's like a pat stone with like a marabou tail. So it could be a streamer. Could be a nymph with a big tungsten bead on a jig hook. Um, that that's probably my my that's gonna be my go-to point fly for now on probably honestly because mm-hmm. it, it sinks fast and um it's a big profile big profile yeah yeah um when i started the day fishing uh, a small jig jig or jig jigged print nymph and that was that was doing i did okay good. did okay i feel like i lost a lot of fish on that one for some reason that big fish that we think First is cast. a whitey pretty sure it was a white probably was a white most of our big all of our big fish today were whiteies so i'm pretty sure it was a whitey's first cast which just a little little side note you will catch more white fish you're nipping oh yeah by far because you're in so if you're a white fish guy here's your card (laughs) or if you don't like white fish maybe you don't your name but yeah I think I lost a lot on that fly. I don't know if it was just me because I was just getting warmed up. I haven't euro nymphed in a long time. Or maybe it was just the fact that the, the shape of that hook. It, that was a chemically, or if you call it chemically, but it was a debarbed hook from the start. Like I didn't smash this hook down. Not saying I leave a barb, but just saying that there's not, there was, it's built to not have a, a barb. You'll look, you'll, if you go to commercial flies or you go to a fly shop and you, find euro dedicated flies you'll find a certain style of jig hook that is pretty common yeah and that's a wide gap with a a, 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 a point hook of the the point of the hook that sweeps up fairly aggressively yeah yeah and this one wasn't as aggressive this one was uh, i think it was the pretty reason standard it was pretty standard yeah. i think that might have been the problem but i switched up to a uh, tungsten uh yb hairs here like a size 16 
has a little bit it was on a scud hook so it was a little more curved and mm-hmm. i found that i, I uh, one, the fish were attracted to it. It was a little flashy. It's got that disco head, kind of faceted bead, sent the um, light out different directions. It had some flash in it. It was the right size. But I think I had more fish stick because of that curved. Yes. Hook. Yeah, you probably did. And so I, I fished that behind that tube and hookered the rest of the day. And that was that was kind of my setup. But the same thing, if I'm having a hard time, uh, if they're not hitting what I have on, I'd, I would have switched straight to a Frenchie or a pheasant tail. Or a hair's ear, because those are just like really good uh, smaller diameter flies, uh, tungsten bead, and it just looks natural. It yeah. has that natural profile, and that's something I, I, I've noticed a lot with the Euro nipping is a smaller profile, more natural looking bugs. You can actually get away if, like, let's say some some uh, indicator guys are fishing 18s and 16s, you can get away with 16s and 14s. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. Because I think the fish just assume if if the fly is in a certain zone or something like like oh you know that like i've never gotten hooked when the when a piece of uh a bug is floating through here so that's got to be natural you know yeah fish isn't saying that in his head but you know you get what i'm saying yeah and it's not and we're i mean we keep talking about urinating versus bobber fishing we're not trying to knock bobber fishing at all. Like, right. Like, when, I mean, bobber fishing definitely played a key role in how many fish we caught today. Yeah, exactly. And that's with the like, wind. Yeah. When we're guiding, like we're throwing bobbers a lot. Yeah. So it's like, especially in Ellensburg. Yeah. Especially in Ellensburg. We're throwing bobbers all the time. So it's not like we're knocking that. We're just saying that it's that much of a different presentation that it's, 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 it's a, it's a huge difference. Yeah. Huge difference. Um, but yeah, besides that, I, I can't really think of anything else on time. Oh, I, I guess I did. Uh, we got one question on the setup. Kind of just went through that, but one of the questions somebody sent in, um, go back to it. I, I I've vaguely heard of this, and they asked, "Have you nymphed with a sink tip?" Um, like tight line nymphing. All, all he said was, uh, "Have you nymphed with a sink tip?" So I guess you can go both. You go nymphing, so nymphing and bobber fishing. Tight line nymphing. When it comes to that, um. I've had a buddy, and I've kind of done it a little bit when we're fishing. We took our switch rods, and we were fishing sink tips for salmon. And um, really didn't get anything on the swing, so we he tied on a bead with some split shot with his whole sink tip on. And when you're fishing something like that on a tight line presentation... And this could have just been because it was on a 11 and a half foot switch rod, but like it, the weight of the sink tip really isn't conducive to a natural drift. Mm-hmm. So it really didn't work out that way. Um, but on the other hand, if you are not running an indicator and let's say you got, I, I don't know why if there were, you'd be fishing nymphs with a sink tip on, but Let's say you're you had a streamer on and you wanted to switch to a nymph. Well, you could treat those nymphs like like streamers, like we did. Yeah, had we a couple today. fish today. Like mm-hmm. we just let let it drag. Like let's say we're done. We're tight lining. We're high sticking. We're high sticking, and then we're done with the drift. And then there's been a couple times where we just let the drift go. And on the hang down, and on the, hang down on the dangle, and boom, little little fish was on it. So. So I caught my biggest whitey today. It was on the hang down. Yeah. So it, it happens all the time. And But if you were to want to tight line nymph, a sink tip, a sink tip is for streamer fishing. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah, that's that's pretty much my take. Like streamer fishing doable. or if you're dragging some small nymphs through like I it, I don't it's not it doesn't have a place in tightline nymphing it just it's just really hard it's not <laughs> you don't yeah you just don't sw- you don't see people doing it with a sink tip on yeah and this person mentioned they've heard of it and I've heard of it be- being done but I just think it's very difficult. I don't I I have heard of it but I haven't heard of it as like a go to approach it's always like oh you know let's let's try this real quick you know switch it up super quick like I mean. We don't really have a lot of time to switch up the sink to take the sink tip off. Let's just mm-hmm. let's just go. Yeah. And it and that can be done. Yeah. And you just have to be a little more careful. Yeah. To do everything. Yeah. 
I said it totally. Um, and then that kind of bridges the gap. That kind of, I guess, goes into the realm of swinging, like wet flies. Yes. Kind of yes. Wet flies versus the streamer. That well, that's some, that's that, a good point. That's a good point because what you I could what I could see somebody doing here, and then maybe this is where this person was going is they're swinging a soft tackle, uh-huh. and on a sink tip. And let's say, you know, the, the action is dead. You've got nothing. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to leave the run so much so quickly. So it's, And then you only brought one rod. Mm-hmm. So instead of taking your sink tip off and walking away from the hole completely, like, let's say you cut the soft tackle off and put a heavy tungsten bead on there. I could see that happening. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, totally. That, that, that might work in a pinch. I mean, just flipping it out there and just... I, I personally haven't had a whole lot of experience with it just because I I, I just haven't done it, you know? Gotcha. I haven't had the need to. I haven't, I haven't been in that scenario, let's say. It's one of those things that's like... Maybe, but it, it, I could see it being done in a pinch for sure. Yeah, Maybe it's one of those things you just try sometimes. Yeah. Like, oh, how does this work? Because, yeah, you never know. You never know when you're going to need it. It's all about stuff. maximizing your time on the water. Exactly. And in that case, yeah, that would be the efficient thing to do, really. Yeah. Well, cool. Uh, that's pretty much everything from today. Kind of wanted to cover, kind of wrap this thing up. Uh, one thing that's kind of funny, I'm, I'm playing with my wedding band right now. Uh, kind of Your funny. third one? With my third one, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, we were in the river today, and I was walking, and I lost uh, my, my wedding band. Luckily, it's just my silicon band that I wear. I'm outdoors. Um, but, yeah, I lost that in the river. That was kind of funny. Um, through the drone pitch me crap yeah yeah pitch a lot of crap um but yeah that's pretty much our day our tight line nymphing fishing tributaries should probably wrap this thing up um i know i've been watching eric rub his eyes and we've both been yawning when the other person isn't talking so we should probably wrap it up so um which real quick one to touch on the winners of our onyx membership giveaway um we gave three of those away to folks this past week for commenting and leaving us a review on apple podcasts Uh, we'll probably do another one of those in the future here and so we just want to let you guys know to stay tuned for that if you want to win that one year uh, onyx membership for whatever state you want to use that in keegan and i i know eric uses onyx all the time so it's a super great tool to let you know where you're at to let you know um maybe different fishing or hunting used it today yeah we used it today on the river um super great tool stay tuned for that we appreciate onyx giving us the opportunity to give away some of these memberships um we also want to make sure that you guys know where you can find us i mean you're listening to us wherever you're listening to podcasts we're on a lot of the main ones we're on pot we're on uh, apple podcasts we're on spotify we're on google podcasts so pretty much wherever you find us if you can, please leave us a rating and review. We really appreciate it. We're seeing a few more ratings and reviews coming in, and that really helps us to know uh, that you guys like what we're putting out. Uh, we also take uh, like the feedback we that you give us on social media. We're on Instagram, Ellensburg Angler, Facebook, Ellensburg Angler. We're on Twitter, at Eberg underscore Angler. We're also on YouTube. We put up a fishing report about once a week or so, and uh, you subscribe to us there and uh, give uh, hit the notification bell so that you get notified whenever you upload a video. Um, did I say Facebook already? I might have said Facebook. I know, it's getting pretty late. Getting kind of tired, but we're on Facebook too as Ellensburg Angler. So yeah, that's all of our platforms. I'll try to find some information from today, put it in the show notes because it was a pretty technical episode. Um, Eric and I will probably touch back on this again in the future Yeah. Um, when we're not quite so tired and drained from a day um outside if you have any questions you can always reach out to me um on instagram yeah plug yourself or email or i'm on facebook too so what's your instagram what's your what's your handle um so in the show notes you'll probably have my full name in there but Mm -hmm. just for my instagram handle it's er underscore machowick so that would be uh yeah er underscore m-a-c-h-o-w-e-k and Eric, yeah, he's and then find me on Facebook or um, or email or whatever you your heart desires. So I'm always open for questions. Yeah, yeah, Eric's Eric's got a lot of knowledge. Fishes a cedar a lot. 
Uh, I know quite a bit of our audience is from that area. I know a lot of our audience listens to the seat or fishes the cedar, and I'm sure they'd appreciate some of the content you share and um, might ask you some questions. So we appreciate everybody for listening. Um, we're probably going to get ready to go to bed and uh, catch you on the next episode. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, man. Submit your questions on our social media to get answered on an episode by your hosts, Keegan and Kyle. As always, tight lines, and we will catch you on the next episode.